0: Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook, written by Rick Thomas. This audio version is read by the author. Chapter 1. Make the Most of It Most people look for resources like this because they want something to change in their lives or relationships. Perhaps their marriage is in trouble. Maybe a parent is struggling with a child. Sometimes life can take unexpected turns. All of us have found ourselves in those places. When trouble comes into our lives, people look for answers. They are looking for help, and a Christian perspective on how to change is a reliable option for some of our most difficult challenges. The Lord has been merciful to His church by giving us better ways and means to respond to the problems in our lives. A better way is what this book offers. As with all things, there are limits and this book is no exception The method of bringing help to people is not always satisfying in the sense that it will give you exactly what you want, the way you want it, every time. Without a clear understanding of what you are about to do, you may be disappointed with the process as well as the results you hope to enjoy. Change me may be a refreshing drink of water. It may guide you, but it won't change you. Thinking any book can do that is short-sighted. It is one of the most common misunderstandings about life-change books, which makes one wonder why they are so popular. We read them like change smoking but they do not change us. If your heart's desire is to change, I want to give you six things to consider before you embark on what I hope is a transformative journey. Without knowing these essential elements about life change, you may be disappointed about your experience and possibly miss what the Lord could be writing into your life. Count the cost, Luke fourteen twenty-eight. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Before Jesus said these words to the crowd that was following him, he told them if they did not die, they could not be his disciples. Before he said that, he told them they must hate their fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, and even hate their lives if they wanted to follow him. Nothing has changed since that time. We continue to play the game by his rules. Are you ready to die? Are you willing to die to all your dreams, hopes, and aspirations? Death to self is not my idea. Those are the words of Jesus. He did not come to earth to find and enjoy the best marriage, the greatest children, or the most money. Quite the contrary. He came to die. And the only way you can find what you're looking for, which is peace with God, yourself, and others, is through the same death portal. Assess yourself. Are you ready to die to yourself? Do you know what that means? Change is not the only option. 2 Corinthians 12 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Too often people buy books for the wrong reasons. Most of the time, the reason is simple. I want my situation to change. They do not count the cost, and they are not aware of the cost. It was the will of the Lord to kill his son, and it was the will of the Lord to give Paul a depressing thorn in his flesh, one that he never removed from the great apostle, even though Paul wanted it removed the Lord pondered his request and decided to give him something else. I shared some of these ideas with a nominal Christian lady a few years ago, and she said, I don't care about that kind of suffering. I just want my husband to be kind to me. She never changed her position, and neither did her marriage change. Sometimes the way the Lord brings change into our lives is not how we want it. But if you want this book to work for you, you must be open to all of the options, not just the options you prefer. It is possible you will not get what you want the way you want it. Assess yourself. Are you okay with praying? Not my will, but your will be done. Focus on yourself. Matthew 7 verses 3 through 5. The easiest trap for a person to fall into during relational conflict is to talk about what is wrong with the other person, whether it is a spouse, child, parent, or friend. Will you embrace the following as your own? I will not say anything critical about anyone else. I will focus on myself and what I need to change, rather than on what someone else needs to change. If I have something negative to say about someone else, I will frame it in the most positive light while expecting myself to adapt rather than demanding they are the ones who must change for me to be happy. This book can be effective if you will own what I just read. You do not go to a fitness center because someone else is obese. You go to change you. If you do not see your problems as opportunities for you to change, this book will not work for you. Make this your truth. What I have done to Christ is far worse than what any person has done to me. This God-centered, gospel-motivated idea must stabilize your heart while focusing your mind during this season of your life. To miss this point is to lose the advantage of having the Lord working in your life. Assess yourself. Do you understand how the log that Jesus talked about is more important for you to address than the speck in the other person's eye? Guard your heart. Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you the caught person or the restorer in Paul's verse? It is a trick question. You are both. You, like me, are caught in many sins. We have several things that have been historically and habitually wrong in our lives, and we should be restorers. We should be actively engaging our friends and family, trying to help them change. If you are coming to this point in your life because you hope the other person will change, that is fine, but there are requirements on you to help restore them. You must assist them to change through a spirit of gentleness. You must keep watch on yourself, or you will sin mightily against them. Are you a gentle restorer of others? Do you sin against them because they are not changing according to your expectations and timetable? If you fail, as a restorer of others, you are interfering with and circumventing what the Lord could be doing in their lives. Sinning in response to sin is never the right answer. Guard your heart. If you're reading this book because of a broken relationship, how you think about and respond to the other person could be the thing that makes this book a success or a failure. Assess yourself. Are you a gentle restorer? You cannot change anyone. 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. On your best day, you are a waterer and a planter. You cannot change anyone. Only the Lord can bring change, and it is not a guarantee that he will do what you want him to do when you want him to do it. The time you spend in this book is your season to change. You may have a spouse, child, or friend you want to see change. That is your thought for them. It is your idea. It is your hope. It is not a wrong hope, but it is yours. It might not be the Lord's will to change them now or at all. You must adjust your heart accordingly. The mind of the Lord on these matters is not yours to understand entirely. His ways are far superior. The question for you is whether you will be okay if you do not receive the change that you hope for as you go through this process. There is grace for unexpected and undesired outcomes to your circumstances. Assess yourself. Will you be okay if the Lord chooses not to bring the change you hope would happen in your life? Expect to be surprised. John 11, verses 14 and 15. Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. I lost one wife and two children through an adulterous affair. I lost two brothers through murder. I lost a dad to drunkenness. I say this to say that you may not get what you want, but there is one thing I know, the Lord is good. God's goodness is not pie-in-the-sky, dreaming, or bumper-sticker theology. It is a truth branded on the hearts of all those who have experienced God in the crucible of suffering. The wisdom of God is wiser than us, and His weakness is stronger than us. We can sing about our great and powerful God, but the real question is whether you are willing to take the death march to the crucible. Your suffering may be the perfect thing for you. To change it, though it seems reasonable, might be the worst thing for you. The child who gets everything he wants is not the better for it. The child who finds peace through the disappointments of life has found the secret to living well in God's world. Assess yourself. Will you ask the Father to do His will in your life and make you okay with His will, even if you do not get what you want? Call to action. The hardest and most challenging advice you may receive could be practically embracing the ideas put forth in this chapter. If you can do this, your journey to change can be profitable and the aftermath can be rewarding, regardless of how your circumstances unfold for you. If you are looking for a change, one of the best things you can do is answer the assessment questions provided at the end of the six headings. After you finish those questions, I have a few more that will prepare you for the journey. 1. Count the cost. What does it mean for you to die to your dreams, hopes, and aspirations? Are you willing to give up all of them, plus your life, to follow Christ? Two, change is not the only option. What if the Lord does not want to change your situation according to your expectations? How could this kind of thorn be God's strength in your weakness and and a blessing to others. Three, focus on yourself. Are you more apt to focus on another person's need to change or on how you need to change? Are you able to live in the peace that God offers even when others are not changing? Why or why not? Four, guard your heart. Are you a gentle restorer of others? Are you tempted to sin when you think about how they are caught in something? How do you need to change? Five. You can't change anyone. Will you accept God's timing on improving your situation? Will you accept the possibility that he may never change your situation? How did you answer these two questions, and why did you respond the way you did? Six expect to be surprised. The death of Christ was hard news for the disciples to receive. In fact, they left him. They denied knowing him. What if the Lord allows something to happen that does not make sense to you? What if his ways are radically different from your ways? Preferably consider the questions in this chapter. You do not have to move on right now. Perhaps it would be better to share this content with a friend and you both talk about it. The primary goal is not to read this book to complete it. Your main goal is for God to change you. Take your time. Pace yourself. Reflect deeply. Pray often. Ask the Father to help you change what He's pressing on your heart now. When you're ready, you can go to the next chapter. You have been listening to the audio version of Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook, written and read by Rick Thomas. You may order a copy of this book from Amazon. Thank you for listening.